the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act. Mitch Berg. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing, the shining spot of red in the sea of dingy, uh, dismal institutional blue, a.k.a. the show that is making talk radio great, uh, great again, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. I'm Mitch Berg, the headliner edition. Brad Carlson coming up tomorrow from 1 to 3 here on AM 12A, The Patriot. Jack Tomzak, just an hour away, 3 till 5. The new guy bringing you some new stories from wherever the bodies are buried in Minnesota politics. That's Jack Tomzak, the new guy. Of course, King Banyan uh, back doing his usual thing, standing his uh, guard on his piece of the wall, that being uh, the economics beat, every Saturday morning from 9 to 11 on our sister station, AM 1440, uh, The Businessman. Together, we're the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and we dominate the Twin Cities media and Pretty much make it look easy. I think I said that before. It bears repeating because not everyone is paying attention all the time. Let's be honest. At any rate, <laughs> uh, it's been a gorgeous day. I made it to Saturday through what may be the hottest week of the summer, and I did it without winding up in the 6 o'clock news. And for that, I am thankful. It's not always a given. I always say I, I claim absolute credibility on this issue because there are people who whine about all weather that's south of 40 degrees and north of 90. And I'm not one of those. If it's below, for starters, what passes for winter here in Minnesota just barely rises to the level, as they say. So no matter how old it gets, really, I don't do a lot of complaining about it. Not that it would do any good if I did. I mean, I complain about things you can't fix. Nonetheless, I don't yap a lot about the so-called winters here in Minnesota, partly because it gives me absolute moral authority, to borrow a phrase from Cindy Sheehan, for those of you who are looking for a blast from the past, to complain about weeks like this past week when it was what, pushing 100 degrees and the humidity was somewhere up in tropical levels. And ew, every week we have like that that I don't wind up leading off the six o'clock news is a victory <laughs> at any rate. Uh, speaking of victory, uh, Governor Tim Waltz, I think, is looking for one. He came out of the legislative session uh, with what he felt were a, a run of, of wins, and I'm starting to have my doubts. I mean, I've had my doubts for a while. Actually, actually, it's, it's a subject, a couple of larger subjects here about Governor Klink that uh, I, I just have to talk about. For starters, this past week, perhaps you heard, uh, Elon Musk started changing uh, things over at Twitter. I swear these stories will tie together. Uh, it started the process of changing Twitter to a product called X, which fits in with his larger brand, uh, SpaceX, uh, Tesla, 
I think that's not what it's called, is it? Anyway, it, it fits in his larger brand, and he has a number of larger plans in mind. And and when that happened, I posted a, a question to Elon Musk, to which he has not yet responded, I might point out, saying, you know what would be a cool feature to add to Twitter? For those of you who don't know Twitter, Twitter is a social medium where you can write posts of up to 280-odd characters and and send them out more or less at random to the world. And what I said would be kind of cool is if if we could not necessarily mute or block accounts that just endlessly pump uh, propaganda out into the world and, and never engage with an audience uh, that are just basically there to almost like a TV station that never takes calls, that never takes feedback from the audience, that hasn't had a letter to the editor broadcast on the air in 40 years. That was the last time that TV stations regularly did that. Uh, these are the, we, We're talking a bunch of people who treat Twitter like it's a memo that they publish that no one can respond to. And one of those people, and I listed a number of them personally in the tweet that I wrote to Elon Musk. I, I copied Governor Klink on it because, of course, he's one of the worst offenders, along with Lieutenant Governor Flanagan. And I posted also a link to St. Paul Representative Lee Finke, who is uh, Minnesota's first transgender legislator. Perhaps you hadn't heard. And to my amazement, I got a response. And I should say sort of a response. And, And in all good faith, my intention is to say it would be so cool if these public officials would use this this particular tool, which could lend so much to transparency or at least engagement with the public. That was its original intent. That's why politicians originally got onto social media like Twitter, especially Twitter, was to engage with the public. And of course, now the Twitter accounts of people like Peggy Flanagan, uh, Governor Klink, Lee Finke are basically just mouthpieces for them to send out their endless flood of selfies and political exhortations. They never engage. They never respond. And to my partial shock and amazement, Representative Finke responded, sort of. I I put the word responded in scare quotes, as Jack Tomczyk does. I'll tap the mic to indicate that there were scare quotes involved because it wasn't much of a response. To, To my imploring our public, you know, vainly, of course, imploring, but imploring nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, our public officials to engage with the hoi polloi, to engage with the peasantry that, whether they like it or not, are on the hook to pay for their little statist fever dreams. I, I said I, that, that was all I was looking for. And, and to that request, to that wan and hopeless but heartfelt request, Representative Finke responded, it's called mute. Well, thanks a lot, Representative Finke. I never knew that. No, I never knew how to use a mute or a block. And and I I get it. I'm not above blocking particularly stupid or depraved accounts, and I'm not above muting. Uh, And by the way, blocking on Twitter means they can't see anything you write and vice versa. Not that I want to. And muting them means you can't read anything they write, but they can still see you. It's kind of a snotty way of sticking it to them. I know how to mute people. That's not the point. I'm seeking some semblance 
of engagement with the people that are taxing and spending my grandchildren's future in this state. And I brought this up because Governor Klink uh, had a tweet earlier this week. I mean, this, these, both of these tweets are earlier this week. But uh, Governor Klink, who came into office in 2018 promising a transparent administration and has delivered – well, let's just say he has delivered. Uh, there was a, a tweet that came out from Quick Trip. Quick Trip. That That is, of course, the – the, the the convenience store chain, the, the gas station convenience store chain that spans the upper Midwest and a good chunk of the U.S. Uh, and the tweet reads, I don't know who needs to hear that, but 52 ounces of Diet Coke is a perfect way to start the morning. First, ew. Second, uh, okay, but the, the response to Governor Waltz, the most transparent governor in Minnesota history, uh, according to his PR flax in 2018, responded, make it a diet Mountain Dew and I'm sold. First, double you, that much pop on an empty stomach? Holy cow. Uh, and, and beyond that, beyond just the distastefulness of that particular breakfast recipe, which, let's be honest, explains so much, a 52-ounce pop of any kind on an empty stomach i just just the internal resonances shall we say of that sort of a of a diet the the echoes that that carry on into the future shall we say in one's gastrointestinal tract if i can put that delicately enough alone are are enough to gag a billy goat but something that gags the billy goat even harder is reading that 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 insipid tweet in response to a convenience store chain from a governor that won't do an unplanned press conference, that won't do a debate that anyone can actually see. I mean, during the 2022 campaign, he made absolutely certain that the only debates he did were on a backwater TV station in a DFL-friendly market. So... He, but, but he will respond with a little trite little trifle to a convenience store chain. I guess we know where me, we, we mere citizens rate, I guess, don't we? <laughs> uh, this is, this is Minnesota in the year 2023. The, the governor, uh, access to the governor is, is the ultimate privilege. Of course, I can see some reasons for this. Center for the American Experiment came out this past week with new polling. This is polling, a continuation of a poll that came out, uh, the polls that have been coming out actually for quite some time now, uh, tracking the sentiment of the, of the people of the state of Minnesota. And we talked about this a few months back. In December, the, uh, the percentage of people that thought Minnesota was going in the wrong direction, was on the wrong track, was 47 to 45 with 7% undecided or not sure quite yet. Uh, and, and by the way, that's uh, considerably up from uh, March of 2019 when uh, people thought, generally speaking, the state were, uh, was, it was 57, 38 right direction. And even in June of 2021, two years ago, uh, the state, the, the right track and wrong track were pretty much tied. But today, 
as of May of 2023, uh, two months ago when the poll first uh, was was first taken, took a little while to get the results out. Wrong track 51%, right track 43%. The people of Minnesota, and by the way, all the usual caveats apply when it comes to polls. Uh, this is a, uh, a poll taken by the Center of the American Experiment, which has a pollster that may or may not be better at finding conservative opinion than, uh, that, by the way, it's Meeting Street Insights. A fellow named Rob Autry wrote the article in, at the American Experiment. But uh, Meeting Street, and you can look through the cross tabs yourself. It, it's possible they're better at finding conservatives in their opinions than progressives, which is the opposite of of most polling in the Twin Cities, uh, certainly from the media. But either way, it's showing things heading the wrong way if you're Governor Waltz and if you're the DFL, which is not good news in the sense that it's not going to impel the DFL, Governor Klink, Lieutenant Governor Flanagan, excuse me, co-Governor Flanagan, to moderate their approach to make them any less uh, per, uh, extreme in their uh, in their mania for their progressive agenda. In fact, quite the opposite. Their goal will be to pass as much of their agenda and go as extreme as they possibly can, knowing that it's going to take another two sessions until 2026 for to have a shot at a Republican governor, to have a shot at a Republican Senate, and at best maybe flip the House. And that's if the Minnesota GOP gets its act together, which – Oh, we'll be talking much, much, much about that over the next couple of weeks here. The, the Minnesota, the Minnesota Republican Party, sort of the Chicago Cubs of uh, major, of, of uh, retail politics. We'll be talking much more about that in coming weeks. Let's take a break. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, the Patriot, 651-289-4488. Normally, the number to call, should you care to join us, and I hope you will. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. Don't forget the Terrific Talkers Contest in full effect at am12bethepatriot.com. Gives you uh, all the, uh, basically gives you a chance to go visit your favorite Salem Network talk show host, whoever they are, nationwide talk show host, not Brad, Jack, King, or I, yet. And uh, yeah, it gives you $500 cash, airfare, and uh, overnight stay for a couple days in whatever town they broadcast from. I mean, with Mike Gallagher, it's Dallas, I believe, with uh, Hugh Hewitt, D.C., Dennis Prager, L.A., and so forth. And so I think uh, Brandon Tatum is Los Angeles. I forget where he's from. Anyway, all you got to do is go to am12athepatriot.com, get yourself registered, and you can do this every day between now and the end of the contest. And I hope you do, because this is going to be great. Especially next year when you get the uh, the narn in on it, <laughs> we can only hope. Again, as always, uh, fake it and it will it will happen. At any rate, uh, polling for Governor Waltz, uh, according to at least the the poll, pollster that the Center of the American Experiment uses, is not some place that would be in the DFL's happy place. The wrong track vote keeps on rising, which is not good news if you want this state to return to being governed by some semblance of sanity. In fact, quite the opposite. If if things showed that Minnesotans thought uh, they were on the right track, they'd probably relax, take a deep breath, go out and smoke a joint once it's legal, of course, 
Oh, by the way, not out in public because they passed the law without passing any restrictions on where one could smoke up. You Under state law, you can currently smoke in all of the places that you can't smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol or vape. <laughs> and so uh, many cities are busily trying to clean up the mess that the government, uh, that the state legislature left for them uh, regarding these sorts of laws. I think the city of Lakeville is voting on restrictions for where people can actually light up a joint. And I can honestly say I don't there's – there's a part of me that says, okay, fine, they, they, they legalized marijuana. I'm not personally a marijuana person. The next joint I smoke will be my first. I'd give you a hint. I'm not going to get there. I, I have I, I like a good cocktail. And for that matter, I'm just not a marijuana kind of person. I just I'm not a mellow person. Perhaps you have noticed. <laughs> if you know me, you'll know that Mellow and Mitch don't even live in the same neighborhood. Just doesn't happen. So uh, and that's fine. I don't care if people do. Uh, honestly, I think it'll it'll do society less harm, even though it will legalize people smoking marijuana at too young an age, say, before the brain finishes development. It causes problems. I've, I've seen this in people of my acquaintance in the past year. I don't think there's any rational doubt to that, even though the weed industry certainly tries to bury that with all the subtlety of, I don't know, big pharma doing all the things big pharma is supposed to do. At any rate, and, and honestly, the fact that they can't legalize it again, takes a big campaign cudgel out of the DFL's hands. Could have been a Republican cudgel, but yeah, the GOP is never going to legalize marijuana. There's a bunch of things that the DFL can't get again. They can't benefit from them twice. I mean, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to re, uh, overturn Roe versus Wade. I mean, it's not going to get any more overturned. They're not going to redo the, the Gruen case and further uh, debunk New York's uh, carry permit law. And they can't re-legalize marijuana. It's done. So there's a bunch of issues that, for better or worse, are off the table right now. Oh, yeah. And they can only – I mean, the only way they could expand abortion access and, and, quote, rights, end quote, even more in this state is to – I don't know, make it mandatory uh, up through certain ages? I, I don't know. I don't know. There's At any rate, they can't reopen those corrals and let those horses out again. They're gone. It remains to find other areas for the Minnesota Republican Party to screw things up. And, and we'll, again, be talking about that in future weeks here. But they are uh, – they're, they're – they're, they're – there's all sorts of these issues going on as a result of the legislature. The Minnesota Republican Party, to its credit, has been hammering on the uh, the DFL and the legislature for passing the family leave law that will uh, add a billion dollars to the state budget, employs 400 government employees, and is going to make it harder for small businesses to make ends meet. Uh, the news came out this past week. Actually, the, the Minnesota GOP was hammering on this pretty hard. And they're, uh, they're, it's not a good situation for business. Uh, and, and it's showing. 
Minnesota's unemployment rate remains steady at 2.9%, according to Twin Cities Business, in June, still below the national employment rate, which is also on the dropping side. Uh, DEED, the Department of Educa- uh, Department of Employment, uh, basically the, 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 the empo- labor department in Minnesota, noted that while the labor force is growing in the state, Minnesota also lost 4,300 public sector jobs in the last month on a seasonally adjusted basis. The state's private sector lost 6,500 jobs. Most of the job loss came from the leisure and hospitality sector, which reported a loss of 5,300 positions over the prior month after an atypical surge in hiring to meet higher consumer demand coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, Deed noted in the release, adding that the sector's employment is showing signs of returning to a more sustainable level. Bottom line is this. Since the end of the legislative session, Government employment has surged in the state of Minnesota by some estimates uh, over 14,000 jobs. There have been a few that uh, that tailed off here and there. But for the most part, state employment, government employment at all levels, I should say, is way up in Minnesota, whereas private sector employment is down. And there seems to be no indication that those trends are going to change. That they're going to turn around anytime soon. There is... It seems to be coming out of this last legislation, uh, this legislative session, an endless opportunity and appetite for more state government workers to belong to more state government unions, to pay more dues to the DFL. I mean, you see how this works, right? That's that's one of the reasons that they that they created all these government jobs to create more sources of income, more revenue streams, is what the kids call them. For the DFL. In the meantime, private employment is dropping and it's showing. And and that has to be, I, I, I hope that has to be hitting uh, the governor's and the, the DFL's approval ratings here. We shall truly see. We are certainly seeing the uh, the DFL doing their darndest to deflect to issues that they can demagogue uh, the Republican Party with. And we'll certainly be talking about those in coming weeks because they have to be fought. Goodness knows the GOP seems to – I'm picking on the Minnesota Republican Party a lot here today because, frankly, I've become a little bit discouraged. We'll come back to that. Uh, speaking of discouraged, there's, there's a couple of trends that you know are never going to change. The young Minneapolis man who fired three gunshots inside the Mall of America Nike store last summer got his sentence. He got his big comeuppance for firing three shots in the middle of a crowded mall that could have gone through anything and hit anyone and killed anybody within hundreds of feet. He got sentenced to three years. Three years and under Minnesota's usual parole rules, he'll be, we will be lucky if he serves two years. Now, the question about this isn't really why did it happen. We know. Why this happened. Hennepin County Attorney, Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty favors what she calls restorative justice, which, by the way, has a place. There is a place for mercy. There is a place for rehabilitation. There's a place for, for restoring things rather than simply incarcerating. When that something is blazing away at random with a firearm in a crowded place, that urge is probably a little misplaced. I mean, in Minnesota, we have a sentence enhancement for using a gun in a crime. 
if you use a gun to commit any crime, if you whatever it is, whether it's a robbery, whether it's a homicide, whether it's driving around, having fun with your friends, it doesn't matter. There is a sentence enhancement. I believe it's for felonies, not just joyriding. God only knows why joyriding isn't a felony in this state. But there we are. Here we are in Minnesota. And uh, if you commit a felony, a, a property felony or a violent crime, I believe that's the uh, those are the boundaries, they can tack on an extra five to seven years to your sentence for using a gun. I mean, armed robbery will get you, in theory, get you a bunch of years, aggravated assault, uh, some of the other major violent and uh, threat of violent crimes, you know, violent felonies like robbery, et cetera. They can, in theory, get you a pretty stiff sentence. And then on top of that, another fiver, five to seven at the very least, for using a gun to do it. This has been on the books for over 30 years. This was passed by the Minnesota State Legislature in, if I recall correctly, either the late 80s or the early 1990s, maybe even earlier. It was in effect in 1992 and uh, all those years in the mid-1990s when the Twin Cities hit their recent peak before the last few years in, in terms of violent crime during the Murderapolis years. And in those years, and by the way, St. Paul had its own crime wave as well. And in those years, neither the Hennepin nor Ramsey County attorneys, Amy Klobuchar in Hennepin County and then Mike Freeman, uh, uh, Tom Foley and Susan Gertner, and finally John Choi in Ramsey County, not one of them ever, not once, has used this sentence enhancement to punish someone who used a gun and a violent crime. This is not restoration, folks. This is trying to deflect blame away from criminals and onto guns. If using a gun for uh, to commit a crime isn't punished, you're going to get more of it. It's the basic law of economics when it comes to, to crime. Much more when we come back. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World, Wind Beneath the Right Wing, Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. I just got news. The Dennis Prager Cigar event is sold out, or at least if there are any tickets left, uh, you're, you're going to have to get on the stick here. Uh, go to am1280thepatriot.com, look at the uh, Dennis Prager uh, Cigar Night uh, ad. You might get a shot. You never know. We might get a cancellation sometime, but get on in there, folks. This is, uh, they're moving fast. If they haven't sold out, they will be any moment here. So this is August 23rd, and we're, yeah, I think we're going to sell this thing out almost a month in advance, which is pretty amazing. Tells you a little something about how what a great event this is going to be at any rate. Uh, someone who is likely not going to get in a particularly lenient sentence is the fellow who shot up uh, uh, downtown Fargo, or at least uh, shot up three uh, Fargo police officers, killing one uh, a couple of weeks ago. A fellow named Mohammed Barakat received his U.S. citizenship in 2019 after receiving political asylum in 20, uh, 2012 as part of one, a State Department program. Mohammed Barakat is one of the long list of people who shouldn't have been around to commit mayhem on American soil. I am, of course, uh, quoting Bill Glahn 
in the uh, so, uh, at the uh, Alpha News right now. Uh, actually, Center of the American Experiment. Earlier this month, Barakat ambushed three Fargo police officers, killing one and uh, wounding two. He also seriously injured a civilian bystander. Shortly after that, Barakat was killed in a shootout with a fourth Fargo police officer. After the shootout, police searched Barakat's car at the scene and found, as reported by the Fargo Forum, uh, three long rifles, 1,800 rounds of two two three caliber ammunition, a homemade grenade. By the way, all the photos you've seen of that grenade have been of military grenades. This was not it. A can of gasoline, explosives, and other firearms, according to North Dakota Attorney General Drew Wrigley. The explosives in Barakat's car were filled with large amounts of tannerite, an explosive compound made from ammonium nitrate and aluminum powder. If Barakat had shot the, uh, shot the explosive, it could have caused a significant uh, amount of destruction, said Attorney General Wrigley. Uh, and by the way, uh, tannerite is a low-pressure explosive usually used for stunts out on rifle ranges. You, you go out and shoot things, and they make a big boom. Uh, not big by explosive stamp uh, perspectives uh, from as compared to say a high pressure explosive, but in a small place, it's still bad enough. Barricade is thought to have been on his way to a crowded downtown Fargo street fair when he happened upon the police officers dealing with a traffic accident. Uh, Efforts to publish his North Dakota driver's license are caught up in a bureaucratic tangle. What can I say? North Dakota respects people's privacy. According to uh, information provided by uh, Wrigley's office this past uh, week, Fargo News Conference, um, Barakat was a 37-year-old Syrian national granted political asylum in the United States 11 years ago and citizenship in 2019. He seems to have gotten on the hot foot fast ticket to citizenship, even though his pre-immigration background check in Syria reportedly, this again, according to Bill Galan, it's under the American experiment, the subject of a federal probe. The entire incident raises questions about the quality of the vetting that went into his asylum and citizenship applications. <laughs> Do you think? The people of Fargo say Bill Glenn deserves answers. I could not agree more. Uh, suffice to say, Mohammed Barakat will not be getting out of jail in record time for good behavior. He will do some serious hard time in North Dakota. Would he do hard time in Minnesota for killing a cop? I don't know. We haven't had any uh, a whole lot of cops killed in the line of duty lately. It'd be interesting to see what Mary Moriarty and John Choi do. And by interesting, I mean probably really, really horrifying. Really, really horrifying to see what these wretchedly awful servants of the public trust do. So in the next hour, I plan on talking a little bit about uh, about the song, uh, the, the uh, see, I guess it was the last hour, I guess, I talked about the Jason Aldean song and about how really the, uh, it's been one of those days that when the weather gets up like this, I'm, I get a little, little loopy. Anyway, last hour we talked about Jason Aldean and how small towns at least managed to maintain some degree of social cohesion, barring some external influence that makes them lose that level of social cohesion, that level of collective belief in some basic standards for life and public behavior and ethics and morality. When I say some avoiding some external stimulus against these things, I mean the biggest stimulus against these things, government itself. Uh Deaths and drug overdoses continue to skyrocket among the occupants of a homeless camp, a series of homeless camps popping up in where? Minneapolis? 
No, no, no. St. Paul? No. Bloomington, Richfield, New Hope? No, no, no. Rochester, seemingly as fast as the authorities remove them. In Rochester, as city officials wrestle with how to contain the camps, Rochester police recently removed the body of a second homeless person to die in his tent in a popular city park in recent, I should say probably formally popular city park in recent weeks. The Post Bulletin notes officers found evidence of drug use in the vicinity. Uh, according to the Rochester police, it received a report of an unresponsive man. Uh, the police worked with the Southern Minnesota Regional Medical Examiner's Office to determine, uh, determine the man, 69-year-old Marvin Peterson. He was homeless at the time of his death. Uh, days later, a local news outlet said police responded to two more close calls involving overdoses in the makeshift camps just blocks from the Mayo Clinic. Now, the Rochester City Council has been talking about an ordinance that would ban the tent camps, but has not taken action yet. At the same time, authorities have ramped up enforcement, but this ties in with this discussion last hour about about the Jason Aldean song, uh, Try That in a Small Town, and, and leave aside all the allegations of, of calling for vigilante justice and calling for calling for violence and, and, and abetting racism, which, as we discussed last hour, is complete rubbish. This is one of those things that you see less of in a place that has some sort of co- uh, cohesion, social cohesion, the, the sort of thing that that people who are invested in the town around them enough to actually exert social pressure against it will not stand for. But the people of Rochester don't seem to have that. And goodness knows it's not being manifested through their elected officials, as it has not been manifested through any of the elected officials in the city of Minneapolis, who seem to believe, as DFLers do, that the good taxpaying citizens of any jurisdiction have it coming to them that homelessness is their punishment for having been on the wrong side of life's lottery and not getting elected to office as a DFLer. Naturally Uh, the city Kim Norton destroyed is certainly showing this police chief Jim Franklin argued uh, for the city to ban tenant encampments in city parks and on public property to send a clear message Some city councilors, however, if you thought I was exaggerating, want to designate an area at a city park for a homeless tent camp. In the meantime, police say the city staff are left to deal with the sometimes deadly reality on the ground in Rochester parks. So let's make sure we're clear on this. In leafy, bucolic, upper middle class, one of the wealthiest cities in the state, Rochester, You have a city council that is trying to take public land and give it over to the homeless who, for whatever reason, are congregating in Rochester, of all places. Whereas if you are a citizen and you want to use any of that land for anything, say, if you want to go camping in a city park, you're going to get rousted out of there. If you decide you want to camp in a city park for any length of time, you're going to wind up with a citation and maybe in jail if you don't move along uh, quickly. But if you're homeless. Oh, by the way, the the disorder is spreading now that Minnesota has uh, legalized marijuana. Jacob Fry, 
the mayor of Minneapolis, so we're told, uh, has signed an executive order this past week that directs police to deprioritize the enforcement of laws surrounding psychedelic drugs such as psilocybin mushrooms, ayahuasca tea, mescaline, and presumably LSD. The executive order states the investigation and arrest of people planting, cultivating, purchasing, transporting, distributing, or possessing eth- uh, entheogenic or psychoactive plants should be the lowest priority for the Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis police. It also prohibits city resources from being used in any investigation, detention, or arrest arising out of alleged violations of state and federal law regarding some psychedelic drugs. I stand corrected. It does not seem to apply to LSD yet. But for those of you who said, I mean, I honestly, I'm pretty hands off on on drugs as the use of drugs as opposed to behavior while under the influence. But for those of you who were saying, oh, they're going to stop at at, at cannabis, they're not going to legalize anything beyond that. I mean, you were warned. For what it's worth, you were warned that the DFL, the progressives, the, the people in power in this state work incrementally. And incrementally does not have to mean slowly. It certainly isn't with these people. Uh, uh, Yeah, we're talking the legalization of psychoactive, psychedelic drugs. So this, by the way, brings me to to another subject. This is is one that's coming in the news, which may be – this is one of potentially, I think, the best ideas I've seen recently. I want to come back to this after the break. Uh, the, The left is all about civil disobedience. I think some of our friends in the northwest suburbs have found a form of civil uh, civil disobedience that we can take from them to the point where I suspect if we keep it up, uh, suddenly the left will declare civil disobedience the big enemy, sort of like they did questioning authority three years ago. Remember when every progressive had a uh, question authority button or bumper sticker on their car until COVID and authority became the progressive secular God. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. Go nowhere. The fun is seven eights over, which means it's still technically just beginning. Go nowhere. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World, Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. Hey, I, I gotta tell you, my band, Elephant in the Room, is heading into a very busy summer here. We've had a couple of gigs in the last few weeks. We got one tonight out in Spicer. That's right, the Spicer American Legion. That's the uh, northern suburbs of Wilmer, although Spicerians say it's actually the upper, other way around. Wilmer uh, is the suburb of Spicer. Either way, I'm not going to get into local politics here. I'm just going to say we are at the American Legion in Spicer tonight from, I believe, 8 till midnight. If you're within a three-hour drive of the western suburbs, it's worth it to come on out just because I occasionally talk about edge of the metro drink prices when you come to some of the bars that we play in the Twin Cities proper. Well, these are way outside the metro drink prices. We're talking out the the western part of the state. And Spice is a beautiful place. If you've never been there, it's right on the shores of Green Lake, which is a, a I'd say a hidden gem. I mean, of course, the place is jam packed all summer long because it's some of the best fishing and water skiing and lake sports out there that don't involve driving up north of Highway Two. 
Uh, and it's worth uh, it's worth checking it out, even without the band being out there. Although the fact that we're out there certainly doesn't hurt. At any rate, uh, tonight uh, from uh, I believe again, I believe eight till midnight at the Spicer American Legion. After that, well, we've got a few more gigs coming. We got a weekend off, and then boy, the the work picks up here. We've got a slew of gigs coming up through uh, the rest of July and August and into September. Awful lot of, uh, if you've missed Elephant in the Room gigs lately, you're, you're, you're gonna get your chances, let me tell you. We'll, we'll catch you up on more of those next week. Uh, 651-289-448. Of course, uh, uh, Jack Tomzak coming up after the top of the hour here. Uh, the new guy doing the voodoo who does. Brad Carlson coming up uh, tomorrow from 1 to 3 here on AM 1280, The Patriot. And, of course, King Banyan, Saturday mornings, 9 to 11, on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. You know all this. So, there's something that came out. It was not actually just this last week, but it was recently enough and such an incredible example of what you and I, as well-informed conservatives and people who support what this country, what this American experiment is supposed to be about, it's, it's, it's such a great example of what we need to be against and what we need to save this nation from. Not, not an invading enemy, not a pandemic, not, not, not a cloud of pollution or rolling across the nation or, or a zombie apocalypse even, but perhaps something more dangerous than any of them, an idea. An idea sent from someone who you could probably presume, uh, presume isn't that bright, but that's probably a little too hopeful. Someone who I would like to say is probably not that bright but is bright enough to know that what he is saying is going to be landing on the ears of people who are, well, your neighbors and mine, the Democrats who, frankly, just don't know that much about the Constitution, don't know that much about what this nation was founded to uphold and to exalt. This uh, came out uh, the week before last. Representative Kwesi Mfumi, Democrat of, well, Maryland, where else, just said, Oh, this last week, this is from Greg Price, one of the most disturbing and insane things a member of Cong- uh, Congress has ever said. The video, I posted this at Shot in the Dark, that info, earlier this week. The Department of Justice, this is quoting Kwesi Mfume, the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the IRS keep this democracy in check and provide the checks and the balances. You heard that right. This there's one of those things where you have to hope, you have to almost wish that this is one of those deep fakes that the media have been warning us about for years, how, how artificial intelligence can create an image that looks like someone saying something that sounds like their voice and isn't to try to fool people. Believe me, when the DFL has access to the technology, they will use it. Mark my words. I mean, they're, they're, they need all the help they can get at uh, twisting the truth. But this, in fact, was real. It's real video of the real Kwesi Mfumi saying, our checks and balances are provided by the three-letter agencies of the executive branch. They, quote, keep democracy in check, end quote. Whenever a government official talks about keeping democracy in check, in a just world, they would be hunted down in the halls of whatever body of government they are, quote, serving, end quote, dipped in tar, coated in feathers, and cashiered from office. Alas, the world is not just, and that is not the con, uh, that, that is not 
the process for removing a congressperson laid down in the Constitution or in Maryland state law. And it's probably a good thing because I would be bidding up the price of tar pretty seriously, constantly, given the legislative session we just went through in Minnesota, to say nothing of this lunacy. But if you think that your liberal Democrat neighbors don't hear this and go, yep, the DOJ, FBI, and RSR are, are checks and balances, and, and I know, they, they don't actually talk like Gomer Pyle. They talk like caricature, caricatures from National Public Radio. Good times. Putting rice. We're going to try some rice today. Ooh, pretty wild. Good times. The IRS, the FBI, and the DOJ are the checks and balances on democracy. It's good to put checks and balances on democracy. Too much democracy is bad. People don't know how to handle it. It's like having too many deodorants in a store. Too much democracy is more than the hoi polloi can have. This is the kind of thing that Democrat politicians can count on. People who are entitled enough to think of themselves as the brainy class who just aren't that smart and just aren't that good at critical thinking. Some people who do need to think critically are parents who are going at it against, uh, going up against their school boards. And while the left has owned the field when it came to the notion of civil, dis, uh, civil disobedience for 50 odd years now, I think there's an opportunity here. Uh, this came out from Alpha News this past week. An Osseo parent on video at an Osseo school board meeting read from an explicit book available in the Osseo District Library and is stopped by the school board chair saying that last time someone like that was read, the language was offensive to some. Oh, do you think? And is that not the point? Showing the books that are the experts are demanding our children, our young children, not high school kids, not junior high kids, elementary school kids be exposed to? I'd say it's high time for conservative parents to go to school board meetings, to go to DFL-dominated city council meetings, to go to DFL events and try to read in public some of the garbage that they are having read to our children and see what happens. Get it on video. Watch the reaction these people have when they hear and watch them blanch at the sound of the things that they want to inflict on your children, on your grandchildren, on your nieces and nephews who are still having the public school system inflicted upon them in districts that are this unbelievably uh, blowing before the wind of, of, of social uh, social fad. Uh, this is the sort of social uh, uh, civil disobedience I think conservatives should not only get good at, but to dominate. Because, good Lord, is it ever needed. At any rate, thank you all for tuning in today. Uh, Jack Tomzak coming up next. Brad at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, see you out at Spicer tonight at 8 o'clock. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you all. God bless America. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.